Good evening. It's good to see you. I, I don't know if your traffic was as bad as mine was tonight. Mine, this is the worst Wednesday night traffic I've had in a while. So if you fought any kind of traffic tonight or you had anything going on today or you've been busy or you've got things going on at home or you've got things going on at work or school and you chose anyway despite everything that's going on, to be here or to watch online, thank you, thank you. I, I know it's, a, it's hard to be here on a Wednesday night and to, to make this happen and everything, in spite of everything going on in your week, so thank you for, for being with us tonight, especially as we talk about something so important, and that is resisting the lies of the evil one, resisting the lies of the devil. Let me kind of start with something silly, kind of a silly little illustration, but Picture this in your head, okay? In a jungle in Asia, they have discovered a very rare breed of elephant. It's a very tiny elephant, and the elephant is completely purple. I know, but just picture it in your mind, okay? So it's completely purple except for these bright yellow spots, and, and the elephant has antlers growing out the side of its head. Now, raise your hand if you could picture that. Can you picture that? Yeah? Yeah? Come on, guys. You can picture it, right? Can you picture it? Now raise your hand if you believe it. Is it true? No, it's not true. But in spite of the fact that it's not true, you have the capability of picturing it, don't you? Isn't that interesting? That, that I could give you an idea, I could describe something with words, and then you could picture it in your mind. That, that idea could be formulated in your mind so that you can, you can actually conceptualize it even though you, you begin to analyze it and you say, Wes, is, he's lying to us. This is not true. There is no purple, uh, yellow, polka-dotted elephant with antlers growing out of its head anywhere in the world. There's, there's nothing like that. But if I said something to you like this, this will probably make you hungry, but if I said, imagine, picture in your mind a... A big double patty cheeseburger with bacon on it and pickles and barbecue sauce. That's the way I like mine. Can you picture that in your head? Yes. Is it true? Yes, there really is such a thing as a double cheeseburger with bacon and barbecue sauce. And that really exists, right? So you can, you can picture things in your head that are true. And you can also picture things in your head that are not true. Or, or how about this? How about if I said, now, when you leave here tonight, I want everybody to, to get onto McDermott Road and go east and drive east on McDermott Road. You with me so far? Picturing it in your head? Driving east on McDermott Road towards Independence. And then you're going to turn south or turn right onto Independence. And you're going to go south on Independence for a little ways. And then you're going to turn right again on Caravan, right after the library. And then you're going to go down Caravan for a little ways. And three houses down on the left, that's my house. Can, can you picture all of that? Yes? Yeah, you could picture driving that direction. But is it true? No, that's not true. I'm not going to say on the internet you know, where my house is. No, it's not, it's not true, right? But you could, you could picture those directions, couldn't you? That is the, the ability, the amazing ability of the human mind that we can conceptualize of ideas, that someone could describe with words something and, and we can begin to imagine it. The, the human imagination is incredibly powerful, isn't it? That we can imagine something and we can imagine things that are true 
true because we, we know for one reason or another that they're true, but also things that are not true. In fact, that's what this class is all about. This class is all about truth and lies. How, how would we define That's a tricky word in and of itself, isn't it? A tricky word to define. What is truth? Here's how I would put it. Truth is an accurate version of reality, right? It's an accurate picture of reality. It's an accurate summary of reality. It's an accurate telling of reality. It's something that actually lines up with what is real. Truth is reality. And then by contrast, lies are a distorted version of reality, right? Those streets that I described to you, McDermott Road exists, right? Independence exists, caravan exists, those roads exist, but the part of that story that was distorted was that my house was on that street. My house is not on that street. That's not how you get to my house. So it was a distorted version of reality. How distorted does something have to be in order for it to be a lie? There it is, right? It just has to be a little bit distorted in order for it to be a lie. The truth is that which is perfectly aligned with reality, with what is real. When you pictured in your head a double cheeseburger with bacon and pickles and barbecue sauce, that is true. That picture in your head aligns with reality. But when you pictured in your head a purple elephant with yellow polka dots and antlers growing out of the side of his head, that is not true because it doesn't align with reality. A lie is something that is a distorted version of reality. Now, it's one thing to tell a lie. It's one thing to believe a lie. But where we especially get into trouble is when we try to operate our lives according to a lie. There are consequences. There are always consequences to operating your life according to a distorted version of reality. We're going to say that over and over again tonight. We're going to think about that idea ad nauseum tonight. There are consequences to operating your life according to a distorted version of reality. If you kept trying to follow those directions that I gave you to try to find my house, you would keep trying in vain because that was a lie. It was a distorted version of reality. And so when you operate your life according to a distorted version of reality, some, at some point you are going to run up against reality. It's going to hurt. You can imagine something in your head, and that's one thing to imagine something in your head, but when you try to operate your life according to that, if it's not aligned with, if it doesn't correspond with reality, it's going to hurt. There are going to be consequences. I could picture a world without gravity, couldn't you? I could picture a world without gravity. I can imagine a world without gravity. But if I try to operate my life according to the lie that there is no gravity, it's going to hurt, isn't it? There are going to be consequences. Because even if I can imagine something is true, even if I think that something is true, 
Even if I can conceptualize something as being true. Sometimes we think, well, that makes sense. We say about things all the time, that makes sense. Okay, it makes sense. It makes sense that somewhere in the world, there's a little purple elephant with yellow polka dots and antlers growing out of its head. It, that makes sense. There's all kinds of weird animals, so it makes sense, but I just made that up, so it's not true. You can conceptualize of all kinds of things. All kinds of things may make sense to you. You may be able to picture it in your mind. You may even be able to live your life for a while operating as if that thing is true. But if it's not, it's going to hurt. If it's not true, if it doesn't line up with reality, there will be consequences. And see, what we're saying in this class is that this is the scheme of Satan. This is the scheme of the devil. Is by getting us to operate our lives according to a distorted version of reality, or in other words, getting us to operate our lives according to a lie, then he brings our lives personally, individually, and collectively to ruin, doesn't he? He ruins our lives by getting us to operate our lives according to a distorted version of reality. As we think about that idea, and as we think about the consequences that go along with that idea, it, I think it's, it's incredibly necessary, especially in this setting. This is one reason I love Wednesday night classes, because we're, we're grown-ups in here, and I don't get the chance to talk about adult subjects when, when there's not kids around very often. And so I want to talk about sexuality, because that's one of the areas in which it's very easy for us to adopt a lie, to accept a distorted version of reality, and to try to operate our lives according to a distorted version of reality. I was going to tell this story later, but I'm going to tell it now. When I was in Abilene, I, I met with a young man one time, and, and I'll, I'll never forget this conversation. I'm so thankful for this conversation because it was eye-opening to me. We, we met at Starbucks. We were having coffee. Someone at church had, had arranged for us to meet it's always fun when somebody at church says, hey, I got somebody I want you to talk to. So go straighten him out for me. So I went and had uh, coffee with this guy. And we talked about his sex life. We talked about the way that he was living his life. And, and his big question for me was, why are Christians so worried about this? Why do Christians care so much about what consenting adults do in their bedroom? Why do, why do Christians care so much about other people's sexuality? Now, what was interesting and what was ironic about this conversation was that he, he was saying, I should be able to do whatever I want to do, and really, I don't need any criticism from anybody else. And maybe you're tempted to kind of think that way about things as well. But what was interesting about the conversation was that I was put in touch with this man by a bounty hunter at church, someone who was, was hired to find him because he had abandoned his family and wasn't playing, paying child support. And so he had children that he wasn't taking care of that were the product of his sexual escapades. And he wanted to know, why are you worried about what I do? And I was like, well... 
That's kind of why I'm here. That's kind of why I got introduced to you in the first place. Because there are consequences to living your life according to a distorted version of reality. That, that when you adopt a lie, a lie that says, I can do whatever I want and, and I, my, my sexuality is nobody's business and, and it doesn't matter what I do in, in, with another consenting adult, none of that matters to anybody else. When you, when you adopt that lie, there will be consequences to that. The consequences may be physical, the consequences may be emotional, the consequences may be relational, the consequences may be to other people. It may not hurt you as much as it hurts someone else, but there will always be consequences when we try to operate our lives according to a distorted version of reality. You can believe there's no gravity. You, you can have that idea in your mind. You can even work out all the details of what life is like because there's no gravity. But if you try to operate your life like that, it will hurt. There will be consequences. Maybe not just to you, maybe to other people in your life. So if you have your Bible, look at Matthew chapter 19. I want you to see how this works itself out in Scripture. Matthew 19 and verse 3. The Pharisees, of course, were always trying to, to trick and test Jesus. And they came up to, to Jesus and they tested him by asking, is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? Now, why do they want to know that? Why are they asking Jesus that? Not just, is it okay to divorce your wife, but is it okay to divorce your wife for any cause? They wanted to know that because this was actually a highly debated issue in Jesus' day, and it all revolves around Deuteronomy chapter 24 and verse 1. Deuteronomy chapter 24 and verse 1 is the, is the text that they were discussing, and in Deuteronomy chapter 24, it's a long, it's a long sentence because it's describing a very specific type of a situation. But in this situation, it says in verse 1, when a man takes a wife and marries her, if then she finds no favor in his eyes, because he has found some indecency in her, and he writes her a certificate of divorce and puts it in her hand and sends her out of his house, and she departs out of his house, dot, 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 it goes on to describe this specific situation. So the Jewish people of Jesus' day would hone in on that verse and say, okay, well, what does all of this mean? Why did Moses say what he said? What, what, does, this, what does this legalize? What does this justify? Some people would focus in on the phrase, finds no favor in his eyes. And some would be really really loose with the interpretation and say, well, no favor means no favor. He, she, he just doesn't like her anymore. Others would really focus in on the indecency word and say, well, others would focus in on the word some. That's the way it's translated here. Some or any, any, any sort of, anything that is indecent. And they would really focus in on that idea and they would say, well, that means any." Any kind, of, any kind of cause. And so by the time of Jesus, it had become very accepted by the Jewish people that God didn't care. He didn't mind if you divorced your wife for any cause because Moses said this. Moses, they would put it as Moses commanded us. And so they had adopted a lie. 
a lie that God didn't care about whether or not a man stayed with his wife. They had adopted a lie that had said that you can divorce your wife for any cause and it didn't matter to God. And so they're asking if Jesus will affirm this distorted version of reality, right? They're asking Jesus, do you agree with our interpretation that a man can divorce his wife for any cause? Now look at what Jesus says in verse four. He answered, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female and said, therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh so they are no longer two but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. There's a lot of truth in this passage, isn't there? There's a lot of truth in this passage. And where does this truth come from? Jesus says, have you not, what? Read, right? Going all the way back to the creation account and taking them all the way back to the very introduction to their faith. The the very beginning, in the beginning, this is the way things are. And, And God gave you this truth so that you could operate your life accordingly. So that you could operate your life according to this truth. And here's the truth that God gave you. That God created them male and female. And and then God joined the husband and wife together. This This is truth. And that when God joined them together, the husband and wife became one flesh. And because that's true, there's the therefore, what therefore God has joined together, let not man, what? Separate. So Jesus lays out the truth. Here's what's true. Here's what's true. And and you know this. You know this. But Jesus talking to his audience, to the Pharisees, you know this. Have you not read? You know this stuff. You know this stuff. It doesn't all come down to Deuteronomy chapter 24 and what does some mean or what does any mean. You know better than this. You know the truth. You know the truth about gender. You know the truth about sexuality. You know the truth about marriage. And you know that when God created them, he created them male and female. One male and one female. And he joined those two together in marriage. And when he joined them together, they became one flesh. Therefore, there's the operation part of what Jesus says, isn't it? The the therefore. So operate your life accordingly. Operate your life according to this truth. Let not man separate what God has joined together. Why? Because there's going to be consequences. There's going to be consequences. You can can tell yourself all day long, ah, it doesn't matter. It's just a piece of paper. It doesn't matter. God doesn't care. I just want to be happy. Wait a second. The truth is, the truth is that God created the male and God created the female and God created the marriage and God joined you together. And when God joined you together, you became one flesh. And if you separate what God has joined together, there will be Consequences, it will hurt. There are consequences to operating your life according to a distorted version of reality, right? 
So, so Jesus is impressing upon them what is true. And just think about the things that Jesus said there. And again, he's going back to the creation account. I've always said that there's so much of who we are and what we believe that is rooted in the creation account. Jesus went back to it. Paul went back to it. Peter went back to it. Everybody goes back to that creation account because this is the the introduction of truth. Again, when we say truth, we don't just mean facts, right? We don't just mean facts and figures. We don't just mean verses pulled out of context. We mean a picture. We mean reality, the reality by which you operate your life. What reality will you operate your life by? An accurate version of reality or a distorted version of reality? Now, I'm not, I'm not picking on anybody here. This is, this is the human condition. This is the human situation, isn't it? That we have all, to one degree or another, we have adopted a distorted version of reality and tried to operate our life by it. And then we've run up against a wall and we said, that hurts. That's painful. There are consequences to that in so many areas of our life. Maybe maybe you grew up hearing lies about yourself. Maybe because someone told you those lies or you told those lies to yourself. There are plenty of lies I told to myself about my worth, about my value, about what I could do, what I couldn't do, what I should do, what I shouldn't do. And when I operated my life according to lies, when I operated my life according to a distorted version of reality, there were consequences to me and to people in my life. And this is what Jesus came to free us from. This is why Christians are concerned about human sexuality, right? This is why we're concerned about truth, Because we want to help save people from the consequences. We want people to be set free because the truth sets people free. And who's the truth? Jesus is the truth. He's the way. He's the truth. He's the life. He is the the version of reality that is accurate. There's plenty of versions of reality out there. There are are a multitude of versions of reality, but most of them are distorted versions of reality. Jesus is the one true accurate version of reality and the only way to live life free. Free. See, sometimes we feel like truth is so restrictive. Truth is so restrictive. But if if you want to get to my house, then, then... The best way to freely get to my house is for you to operate by an accurate map, isn't it? That's the most liberating thing. If you want to accomplish something, is for you to accomplish it, operate towards it with an accurate map, with an accurate version of reality. And again, there's so many lies that in our culture... We are tempted to believe, and and I just want us to kind of think about the consequences. And again, I know this is very adult content, but I I took some of these quotes from John Mark Comer's book, and I, I want us to walk through a few of them really quickly tonight. One is this, those who cohabitate before marriage are likely to, are less likely to marry or and are more likely to get a divorce if they do and often develop long-term trust issues. 
it's, it's not good for couples to cohabitate with one another before they get married. Again, we're just talking about the consequences of operating our life according to a distorted version of reality. But, but so many young people today grow up thinking because it makes sense, doesn't it? I, I was told when I was a young person, well, you wouldn't buy a car without test driving it first. You, you, wouldn't, you, wouldn't, you, know, you wouldn't move into a house without going, visiting the house, you know, checking it out a little bit first. So you need to try out the marriage before you actually commit to it. And so even if an idea makes sense, it doesn't mean that that idea is necessarily an accurate version of reality. The accurate version of reality is that God created the male and female and that God joins them together and when they are joined together, they become one flesh and what God has joined together, let not man separate. And there are consequences to operating our life according to a different version of reality. Second one, research has been done on oxytocin and vasopressin. Doctors, you can correct me afterwards if I'm mispronouncing those. The two chemicals released by our body during sex that bring our attachment system online and cause us to bond to another person. This research indicates that the more sexual partners you have, the less capacity your body has for intimacy. Again, there are consequences when we believe lies. Consequences to ourselves, consequences to others. Third, sex reassignment surgery and hormone therapy for those who identify as transgender they're starting to realize through research that they do not benefit people's emotional health. Fourth, this was an interesting thought. While the hashtag MeToo was dominating the headlines, pushing back against sexual misconduct, pushing back against uh, male mistreatment and, and taking advantage of women, while that was happening, at the same time the Fifty Shades of Grey trilogy, a story about male sexual domination, was being, becoming the highest selling book series of the decade and one of the highest grossing film franchises of all time. At the same time. In the same culture. That on the one hand we would be saying this is wrong, men shouldn't act this way, men shouldn't take advantage of women this way, this, this kind of behavior shouldn't happen, and at the same time, celebrating the very lies that people believe that lead to this sort of conduct. D do we see that when we operate our lives according to a distorted version of reality, there are consequences? There are consequences. It hurts. It hurts. <laughs> That's what we, we want to avoid, isn't it? It's not, it's, not about, it's not about being religious stick in the muds. It's not about being restrictive. It, it's about operating our lives in such a way where we experience the greatest amount of happiness, the greatest amount of joy, the greatest amount of pleasure, the, the greatest amount of freedom, both now and forever. When we operate our lives according to distorted versions of reality, the end of that journey, the end of that path is what? Death. And, and all along the way, there, there's pain and there's consequences. And again, I'm not picking on, on anybody. I'm saying this is, this is the human condition. Look at verse 7, back to Matthew chapter 19. 
Verse 7, they said to him, why then did Moses command one to give a certificate of divorce and to send her away? And he said to them, because of your hardness of heart, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives, but from the beginning it was not so. See, there's, there's two things going on, isn't there? There's one, there's the fact that God knew. God knew. God knew that people are going to believe lies. God knew that, that through those lies, their hearts would become hardened by sin, by the deceitfulness of sin, and that they would continue to try to operate their lives according to those distorted versions of reality, regardless of the consequences. I'm going to do what I want to do. Every man did what was right in his own eyes. And because God knew that, he put things in place to manage that for the sake of those individuals, but also for the sake of the people they were married to. Because God knew that there were going to be people married to those with hard hearts that were determined to live their lives according to a distorted version of reality. He knew there were people going to be married to those who had believed a lie. And so God allowed for divorce. But Jesus says, from the beginning, it was not what? So. It was not so. That's what we're concerned about, isn't it? What is so? What is so? What is real? What is true? What is true? What is so? What is reality? And that's what the gospel is. The gospel is reality. And so often, and we're going to talk more and more about this, about the flesh and why we don't want to accept reality and why sometimes it's so much easier, we think, why it seems so much easier to operate our lives according to lies rather than the truth. But I want us to think about this question tonight. What are some other lies or distorted realities by which we sometimes try to live our lives? It's not just about sex and gender. It's about wealth. What are some of the, the lies, the distorted versions of reality that sometimes we try to operate our lives by when it comes to things like wealth? What are the lies that we believe when it comes to how much money we have or the car that we drive or the house that we live in or the clothes that we wear? What are the, the lies or the distorted versions of reality that we believe about our appearance? whether or not we're beautiful by someone's standards, how we look, what our hair is like, what our face is like, what our body is like. What happens, what happens when we try to live our lives according to a distorted version of reality? That, that's what Hollywood sells us, isn't it? Hollywood sells us a distorted version of reality. And sometimes we think, oh, that's the way I'm supposed to look. That's how much money I'm supposed to have. That's the kind of car I'm supposed to drive. That's what life is supposed to be like. And what happens in our lives day by day by day when we try to operate our lives according to a distorted version of reality? It hurts. There are consequences. What about some of the lies when it comes to politics or even about ourselves? What are some of the lies that are about our worth 
or our value? What about some of the lies or the distorted versions of reality about our mistakes or our successes? What is it that we're tempted to believe about ourselves when we make a mistake? What is it that we're tempted to believe about ourselves when we're successful, when we do something well, when somebody pats us on our back? Because both, on both ends of the spectrum, whether it's pride and arrogance or it's self-loathing, both of those, both this overwhelming, disgusting pride and arrogance and this self-loathing of I hate myself, I can't even look at myself, both of those. And maybe we've fallen into one of those categories, maybe we're somewhere in between, but both of those are an attempt to operate our lives according to a lie, a lie about who we are and how valuable we are because of our successes or our failures or our strength or our beauty or our politics or our car or our house, whatever it is. There's there's so many versions of reality that we could conceptualize and have in our mind. But just because we have it in our mind, just because we've been operating accordingly for a very long time, doesn't mean that it's true. And that's why Jesus is so important. Because the way of Jesus reveals reality to us and exposes the lies of the evil one. It exposes the lies of Satan. It exposes the lies of the devil. And it says, this, this is how we are to operate our lives. And operating our lives according to the truth, according to Jesus, taking up our cross and following him, this is the path that leads to life. Every other path leads to to death. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you tonight confessing humbly and repentantly that we have believed lies. We have believed the lies of the evil one. We have been deceived. Father, we have tried to live our lives according to distorted versions of reality And we've suffered the consequences. And Father, we pray that you help to open our eyes to the lies of the evil one. That you expose these lies with the light of Scripture, with the truth of the gospel. That Father, that you will help us to resist the lies of the evil one. To take up our cross. To follow Jesus. And to recognize that continuing to live out lies and operate our lives according to lies will only lead to more pain and more death, but that following Jesus will lead to life. Father, thank you for his sacrifice on our behalf. Thank you for his blood that atones for our sins. Thank you, Father, for your grace and your mercy and your love that you've extended to us through Jesus. And thank you, Father, for the truth that Jesus embodies. We pray these things in his name. Amen.